Hey, and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. God is many things, one of which is the great gift giver. God is the one who doesn't just keep all things to himself, but he gives, he is personal, he is intentional, and he calls us, his creation, his created beings, to join him in this mission which is an interesting anomaly with this respect to understanding what a gift is and what a call is. But the gift, or the call, excuse me, is in some ways the gift. Because God, while he cares about our spiritual lives, he cares about our afterlives, he cares about what takes place when we pass from this life, he also cares about our well-being in this world. And our well-being in this world would be would be meaningless without the purpose that God's given us to join him in his call. Certainly, it's no secret to anybody in this space, you and I recognize the fact that there is darkness in this world. And perhaps you have experienced darkness before, maybe personally you've experienced a dark time in your life, maybe you are right now. Maybe you've experienced darkness because you've seen it on the news or you've, in respect to conversation you've had with, with a friend or a coworker or a loved one, or maybe in your own journey. But here's the reality of it. Today we embrace that God's truth is he is the one who brings light to a fallen and broken world. And so as we reveal or we reflect upon this understanding that God is the great gift giver, he gives this light and in so doing calls us to join, allowing us to receive this gift and blessing as part of the journey and at the same time being those who shine light in a broken world for him and with him. And I know that seems like a, a, a kind of a, a simple statement. At the same time, it might seem like there's a, there's a lot of layers to it. I think somewhere in the balance, we recognize that God is light and he calls us to join. And so we're going to read today, and I'm going to jump right in. Uh, last week, I, I kind of built a little bit up to this passage. If you weren't here, I encourage you to, to jump online and watch the service from last week, um, later on today or sometime this week as a means to maybe grab some of the the context of the passage. But I'll just say this, this is part of the greatest sermon ever preached. This is a portion that we're going to read of scripture from Jesus's Sermon on the Mount. It's recorded in Matthew's gospel in chapter five. And I'm going to read three verses, uh, kind of the the three that, that follow the one that we focused on primarily last week. And Jesus says this, you meaning the disciples, meaning the followers of Jesus, meaning the universal church, including us, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And we're going to walk through this passage today, and certainly we're going to look at a couple of different questions that you could ask if you were reading this, particularly even if you knew the context, what does Jesus mean here? What's the end result? What is my uh, purpose, our purpose, I should say, as believers? And as we explain this understanding of the word, we recognize that the word has a very important response, uh, a very important call for the church. What is the light is the question. 
In discussing God as the light and this recognition that he is the light giver, we also realize that he calls us to join us. And here we see kind of this metaphor, this understanding. Maybe one way to to encapsulate or understand it would be that God is the sun and we are the moon reflecting his light, being light bearers, light givers, not from a source that we create, but just as a, a source that we are part of, being his vessel, being his conduit. As light shines and, 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 and enlightens the globe, so Christians enlighten the world around them from the light that we receive from him. Kind of some cultural and historical understanding behind this helps to shed some light, so to speak, pun intended there, for Jesus' followers and those that were listening and also for us today. First of all, this understanding of a city set on a hill was not something that would have been foreign to those that were listening to the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, in the Holy Land, it was just so that, that there were Christians would understand that there were, there were cities all around them built on hills. That was part of the, the tactic of, of protecting yourself, protecting your city. If you were on a hill, you could see your enemy coming. It was further. You had the high ground, so to speak. And so it was typical for them to have this city up on a hill. And as they sat up on the hill, there was this recognition that they were easily seen as well. So this illusion, this understanding, this metaphor would would point towards the fact that Jesus, even in the midst of where he was, was probably able to point at certain cities. And some believe that Saft was the city that he was pointing at. There's this city over here that was it was painted white or made out of limestone, so it was easily seen. The, the light would reflect easily upon it, and so people could see it visibly. Some believe it was Jerusalem, which was on the heights as well, and it was emblematic of the Christians. No matter what, the cities in Palestine were frequently built built on hills. They were usually constructed of, of chalky limestone, and therefore they were seen for miles and miles and miles away. And the metaphor here, the reality is that God is saying, like a city on a hill, meaning that Christians being separated from others, being separated from everything else, and raised above in some way through righteousness, cannot be yet uh, dis- they could not yet be, be blurred or they could not yet disappear, but instead they would be visible to all. It's also important to note, a side note, that many times because that city is up on a hill, they became a target that was easily seen or a target that would easily be looked upon to destroy or to capture, which is also a metaphor that Christians can understand and relate to. If I were to reread the first part of chapter uh, 5, verse 14, it says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. And the metaphor here reads true for those he is speaking to in that time. What Christ is saying is that we, as the universal church, we are the light of the world. Not the source of the light, but we are the light of the world. And that is actually the first point. If you're writing these things down, that's kind of the start and the the understanding. When we first reflect upon and know that, we can step forward into what the call of the light is. But to, to first recognize who we are and what we are, then we realize what we do. Embodied with the Spirit and the truth, we are the light shown brightly in a fallen and broken world. So what do we do as light? What do we desire? What's the desired action of the light? After all, you know, last week we talked about the salt and how we have this, this, this responsibility and this call, this action to be different, right? To, 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 be, to bring taste, to help preserve the word, to live in purification, and to be God's hands and feet in this world. What does it look like to move forward as light? The second part of, of verse uh, 14, a town built on a hill cannot be 
hidden is an interesting one. The apostles and all Christians are the light of the world, and, and this recognition of self-luminousness uh, is, is not something that we can take on, but instead something that we reveal. A city that cannot be hidden so as the church of God should not be hidden or, or, or should not be something that, that's, that, that lives in the shadows, but should step forward, should be visible to the rest of the world, cannot be hidden. And the point being, true light bearers cannot be hidden if we are the metaphor of who God is and what he is. True Christians cannot be hidden. If you are of Christ, can I just tell you that Christ is going to ooze out of you, going to spray out of you, going to shoot out of you. And if you're not grossed out any other way, he's going to come out of you in some way. Through your speech, through your words, through your actions, through your investment of time, through your values. Our DNA is to shine light. By definition, we are believers who shine light. For the last five years, I have owned a vehicle that I enjoy. It's a, a four-wheel four drive vehicle, and I bought it when I still lived in South Dakota because I thought this is going to be good for South Dakota winters, and then we promptly moved here, and the winter this year has really afforded the need for a four-wheel drive. And what I recognize from this vehicle is it has the space I need. It, it, it's able to fit an entire deer in the back, which is a good thing. It's, it's good for going from point A to point B. But the only drawback that I've found is I've had this car for five years, and I have replaced both light bulbs three times. Both, both of the headlights, excuse me, both of the headlights on the front of this car have gone out a, a total of three times. And I can tell you that's probably not the design that the, that the, that the Subaru uh, manufacturers had in mind. There was no, there was no uh, plan in the background where they said, okay, let's make sure that every few months that the owner is going to have to replace light bulbs. And I have done everything that I can, that I can figure out that, that YouTube would afford that would keep me from having to replace these. And I know, and you're going to tell me afterwards, well, you got to make sure you don't get oil on the light. You gotta make, I know all those things. I know them all. But they keep going out. They keep going out one after another, and I find myself almost going to Walmart and walking into the automotive area and saying, okay, yeah, hit me with another double, and they give me the, the two-pack. And they do it to my wife as well. She said, yep, that is true, because she gets them for me as well. And then I have my, my weekly maintenance of getting gas and cleaning the windows and changing the light bulbs. And what I found from these headlights is eventually what takes place is when I replace the headlight, and I have kind of a collection now where I put the old ones, where it's kind of just a, a funny joke in my garage where I put them all in the same spot. What I found is they are no longer head, headlights. Instead, they are just head bulbs. Because they don't supply light anymore. They're not a, a source of light anymore. They're not something that, that sheds light uh, around them or in front of them. Instead, they are head bulbs. And certainly, as Christ is calling his church forward to shine light, he wants us to be light bearers. He wants us to be those who bring light before others. Because if we hide our light, first of all, I can tell you that that, that says something about our, our commitment to Christ. But at the same time, it also changes our definition. We are not light bearers anymore. We are anything else that you want to fill in the blank, but we are not light bearers. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 reads like this, you are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. We are children of the light. As Jesus continues in this passage, I'm going to continue to move a little bit quicker as we're, we're coming down to it. I, I want to just 
Take a moment on verse uh, 15 to reread. It says, either do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And to give some cultural understanding here, at that time, there would have been uh, a lamp or a light that was used. And now we, we kind of use the, the, the symbolism of a candle and we can use that today. But typically what it would be is they would have a small clay bowl and it would have oil in it, olive oil in it. And it would be drawn up from a wick into a place where it could be lit. And it would, it would contain about, uh, you know, a, a, a good deal, I should say, of, of, of oil that would keep this light burning. Burning, uh, if necessary, all night long. And what would take place with this light is they would take the light and put it on the highest place in the home so that it could bear light to all people. So if you were to get up in the middle of the night or if you were to hear a sound or to keep burglars away, whatever it might be, the light would go as high as it could so that everybody could see, everyone could, could uh, experience a, a gift from this light. In the Palestine windowless house, it would be something that would shine light for everybody that was there. And as it would burn in this tiny lamp, it would, it would be a place where everybody could afford something. Everyone could have the benefit of the light. And so when Jesus used this illustration, what he was saying was, okay, there is a need for the light, not just for the light bearer, but for those around them. And if you were to take a bushel, or if you were to take a bowl, it says bowl in, in, the, new, in the NIV, it says bushel in, in other versions. If you were to take anything and you were to put it over top of this light, it would not be doing its duty. And so I just happened to bring a bushel basket with me today. I didn't bring the lamp that I wanted. I didn't want to start a fire in here. So instead, I brought my little light. This is the tea light candle. And I will say this too. I fact-checked. I could not find actual dimensions for a bushel. Did not grow up in the country. I apologize for those of you who are offended. So I have here two because I wanted to make sure this morning I have a bushel and a peck. <laughs> and a hug around the neck. Yes. And so I'm going to put the peck over here for later. I'll get one after service, I'm sure, from somebody who'll give me a little peck. Okay, never mind. All right, that joke is over. I'm going to do this right here. So we've got our candle. We've got our light. And certainly when we light it, and this is uh, every Advent person's dream right here, lighting a candle on the platform in front of everyone. And those of you who have done it are laughing right now, right? So we've got this light, and this light bears uh, energy, obviously. It's, it's drawing energy from the fuel source that's here. At the same time, this light is, I'm trying to keep an eye on it because I don't want to burn myself. At the same time, this light is, is bearing an actual uh, flame, which gives forth some heat, gives forth some uh, a difference in the place in which it is. If it was a smaller setting, you might even be able to get some heat uh, from this that would have uh, a little bit of an impact. And then finally, it gives off light. And if we were to turn off all the lights in the room, besides everybody going, oh, um, probably what would happen is you would see this light and then some ambient light in the room, but this would be something that would have a little bit more of an impact. But the reality is, if we wanted to uh, allow this light to be used for something of, of value or great value in the terms of being able to see things around us and we had no other lights available, we wouldn't take the light and set it down in a corner, set it down somewhere where it would be obstructed from anything else. Instead, we would put it up high so that everyone could see. And what Christ is attempting to try to communicate to the readers that were, or the listeners that were there and the readers that would see it later on is that if we were to take something like this, something this important, something that is supposed to be shown for everyone, not just the person who has the light within them or the person who, has the, who is acting as the light, if we were to take it and we were to hide it under a bushel that's full of filth, apparently, less than it had, 
Uh, I'm going to need the vacuum crew up here after. If you were to hide it under a bushel and hide it from those around, then it ceases to do its purpose. It ceases to have a purpose. It ceases to have a reason for dwelling, a reason for being. And so therefore, what Jesus is saying in very simple terms is don't hide your light. Instead, put it high, put it up where it can be seen, put it where everyone can see, where everyone can benefit from the light that you've been given. And yes, that's simple. Yes, I understand that. But here's the reality of it. The gift of the light is intended to serve others. And that point cannot be stated any, clear, any more clearly. And I can tell you right now, and at the same time, I know this ripple effect thing is important. Our lives should have a ripple effect. Anytime you go to a funeral, when you hear the, the funeral, uh, the, those people come and share, you hear the person at the funeral give a, uh, a, a, uh, a eulogy about the person, a lot of times what you hear is the ripple effect. What do we learn? How do we grow from this person? How do we live this out? The Christian should be like a lamp shedding divine light upon all within its reach, within their reach, within your reach, and within mine. So as men and women not to deprive things of their usefulness by putting them in the opposite use of which they have or which they were intended, so Christians not made of, you know, just depositories where we put everything in. No, we are to, to shine, to let everything that God teaches us, even the negative things or the bad experiences, allow those things to shine bright so that we can see God's goodness, see God's work, see God's redemption through the areas and the things that take place in our life. Verse 15, once again, says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bowl or under a bushel. With some ancient learning and understanding, there's certainly some great application that goes along this, with this. And the question to be answered is, the question to be asked is, how can one hide their light? What does this look like practically? First, it means being quiet when we should speak. In the midst of a world where darkness reigns supreme, sometimes God calls us to step out. Sometimes he gives us the opportunity. And maybe we think to ourselves, well, I don't have the right words, or I haven't read the whole Bible. I don't have all the answers. But what he's saying is just share your testimony. Just share the light. Just share the joy that I have for you and that I've given you. Maybe it means not going along with the crowd, especially when the crowd is in a place or a means of slander or gossip. So often we see in this world, particularly even within the church, we see slander and gossip reigning supreme, bringing forth an opportunity to, to talk negatively or poorly about somebody. And in so doing, what happens is the light is extinguished and God is not proclaimed. Maybe it means denying the light, recognizing that sometimes we live in a place of doubt. And I can tell you that doubt isn't necessarily always a bad thing because it generates the opportunity for us to grow forward and move forward in our relationship with Christ. But when we live in that doubt, what we do is we deny God's goodness and we deny the light. Maybe letting sin dim our light. And that just means engaging intentionally or even unintentionally in sin. We, we embrace the, the temptation, we step forward into sin, and that dims the light that we have. It obscures the light that we have. Picturing it like a city on a hill, it means somebody kind of is, 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 is taking away the whitewash or is, is covering up or, is, or is, is painting something over top of our, our bright light that we're reflecting. Maybe it means not explaining our light to others. You know, in, a, in a world that we live in right now, it is much different than it was 40, 50, 60 years ago. We live in a post-Christian world, which means that your neighbor, your coworker, possibly even your family member may have never experienced or even heard of this person named Jesus. 
If you would have said that to to somebody 30 years ago, they would have said, well, they at least had an understanding of the church or what Jesus was or who Jesus was or what the, the gospel is all about. That's not the case anymore. The assumption that everybody knows everything about Christ is, is, is inaccurate. And so at this point, we need to be more intentional to explain who Christ is, what he's done, and what the gospel is. And then finally, ignoring the needs of others. And certainly this is an interesting one because there's a lot of varying understanding of what it means to embrace the needs of others. And I will tell you, a need doesn't always constitute a call, but when God reveals something to you and the Spirit speaks, we need to step into it. Being a beacon of truth. Don't, don't shut your light off from the rest of the world. And, and I recognize this. I'm a human being just like you are. We only have so much capacity. We only have so much time. And so I'm not saying, I'm not giving you a, 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 a you, can, you can just kind of put this off. Pastor Steve said, well, I only have so much time. I can't do it. At the same time, what I am doing is telling you to be astute and open to the Spirit's leading and guiding as He calls you to step in or simply to pray or simply to step out. And so there are opportunities to step in. We need to be astute to what those are. And then finally, verse 16 reads like this. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And the third point is this. Bearing, uh, bearers of the light take action for the kingdom. Bearing of the light is more than just words. It's more than just attendance of a, of a church service. It's more than just saying, okay, yeah, I'm a believer in Jesus. But it actually comes with action. Action is needed. Good deeds are needed. And what is the, the Christian's light? It's described right here in Jesus' words as good deeds or good works. It's even more effective to the witness than, than verbal testimony. It's just stepping in and, and, and doing something or following up what you say. Then that men see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. And so the reality there is that it's not about good deeds to point the, the finger at self or to pat yourself on the back, but you do good deeds not to self-promote, but to promote the one who grants the light. That they see your Father, your heavenly Father, not you. And defining good works is an interesting thing. It has many different faces. In Scripture, we see it as Moses simply watering the flocks of the strangers, the shepherds that came. We see it as the widow offering her two coins, her two copper coins, the last one she had. We see it as Mary taking the perfume and washing Jesus' feet, drying them and cleansing them with her hair. We see it in many times, in many different ways, even in our world and throughout history. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. This should be a, a, a set alongside any other statement. And this main statement that we should see is this, that you are the light of the world. Here Jesus also says, I am the light of the world. The Son of God and the Son of Righteousness. The church is, is like the moon, as stated before, that reflects the light of the world. And here we see in the darkness of all we have that we are afforded the gift of being God's light to those around us. I want to read this statement as, as written. It's, it reads like this. As the sun is lighted up in the sky of heaven to diffuse its light and heat freely to every inhabitant of the earth. And as the lamp is not set under the bushel, but, upon, but placed upon the lampstand that it may give light to all in the house. Thus let every follower of Christ. Because as scripture says, being the light and living out the gospel is the responsibility of all Christ followers. Diffuse the light of heavenly knowledge and the warmth of divine love through your whole sphere of influence. Simply put, it's the bottom line. Let your light shine. Verse 16, this entire passage, this entire portion, let your light shine. 
A familiar passage from the last series goes like this, Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. And I know that's simple. And I know that when you hear that, you think, yeah, let your light shine. Okay, yeah, I've heard that before. And, 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 and probably in some regard, one of the first things you're saying or one of the first responses you have, but pastor, you don't know how hard it is to let my light shine in my context. You don't know how hard it is to let my shine uh, when I, when, when in, the, in the environment that I work in or in my family. You don't know how hard it is to let my light shine because of the way that I've been hurt or I've been ridiculed or I've been persecuted. And can I just be vulnerable for, for just a second? When I was working on this, uh, this, this outline, much of the, the outline I, I had concluded on, uh, on Monday and then on Tuesday, when I left the office here on Tuesday, I was driving home. And it was a fairly decent day, and end of the day was, was interesting. And then I, I, I got in my car, and I'm driving home, and I'm thinking about the way that certainly you and I have probably thought about the times that we've been attacked or the times that we've been discouraged and how difficult it can be in some situations to let our light shine. And as I'm, I'm driving home, I'm thinking, God, how do I let my light shine in this situation? Because often I get the sermon before you do, just so you know. Sometimes God beats me up before I ever bring it here. And, and I'm asking, how do I let my light shine in this situation? And God basically said this to me, and it was almost like a gut punch. He said, what did you expect? And what he meant by that is, look, look at me, look at my life, look at the way that I lived, perfect, loving all, engaging in all. And in Christ's life, we see the way that he, was, he, he personified the love of Jesus because he was God and he lived a life that honored and glorified his Father and honored all people that he engaged with. But still, he was beat down, still he was crucified as the light. And so the question that he posed back to me is, what did you expect? Certainly scripture says that we will be persecuted just as he was persecuted. And while it's simple to say and simple to reflect upon, it doesn't mean that it's always easy to do. I recognize that sometimes you're going to have persecution in this world, maybe even at home. Maybe you're going to have persecution even within the church. I've experienced that. Sometimes you bring conviction. You're the, the one from the Spirit who brings conviction to someone else and they blame you for it. Or maybe sometimes Satan brings a, a, a season of, of, of miscommunication and, and you become the person in the crosshairs for that. And so therefore, shining your light really just gets you burned more than anything else. And right there, Jesus is saying, but here's the reality. Even though you're going to be persecuted I was, as I've been persecuted, I'm right here with you. I have not left you nor forsaken you. In fact, I'll back up and read a couple of verses here in verse uh, chapter 5, backing up into the Beatitudes, verses 10 through 12. It reads like this, Blessed are those who persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecute the prophets who are before you. Can I tell you, I've had to hang on to this truth. And I can say right now that persecution isn't fun. 
And it manifests itself in many different ways. And it discourages us and it causes Satan to kind of try to get a wedge in. But the, re- the, the reality is that God is with us every step of the way. You, uh, verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 12 of Matthew, you will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. You see, God has an end goal in mind for each one of us. And certainly the journey is is about learning and sometimes growing and sometimes discouragement. But a lot of times there's this recognition of joy. And so we ask the question, God, how do I let my light shine here or there with that person or in this situation? He's right there along the way saying, what did you expect? I've experienced it, but I'm with you. And I'm for you. And like I have been persecuted and I have experienced what you have, I will bring you through this just like I have. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless. God bless.